Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of Unlocking Business Potential, your business and advisory podcast backed by Betty Ochantanaki. As always, I'm Kelsey and I'm joined with my amazing co-host Melissa. Hey! So today we've got a bit of a delayed episode release, but an intentional one be that. So today we're talking about the budget. So the budget was released yesterday and is an outline of the government's intended spending for the upcoming few years. And there was quite a lot in it, but we will say up front that for our business owners out there, there probably isn't a whole lot that is going to change the way that you do business or a whole bunch that is specifically targeted at businesses. Anything that's going to rock business world, it's probably a little bit of a disappointing budget. Yeah, I'd have to agree. So from a business perspective, I guess the word would be a bit underwhelmed. There's not a whole lot that affects the day-to-day running in business. There's not much in the way of support. But I guess on the flip side, there isn't much in the way of increased taxes or any sticky things that are going to get you a bit worried. So we're probably going to take today's episode to go in depth into a couple of areas that we think are quite key. I think we've identified five and some of these might be more of a personal aspect. But of course, when you're an employer, your employees are needing to be considered. And we are all citizens here in New Zealand, so whatever's going on in the country ultimately is going to impact us in some way and hopefully some of these initiatives, even though not targeted for business, are going to help us improve our state of living here in New Zealand. Before we get stuck in, I just wanted to throw in our usual disclaimer that the information contained in this podcast is general in nature and is no substitute for tailored advice specific to your particular circumstances. If you do need advice, make sure to touch base with your usual advisor or get in touch with us at melancal at bdo.co.nz. That leads on to the main key part of this budget, and that would be the health sector. So the key part of this budget was health. 50% or approximately thereabout was to be spent on health. Now, what we found was we weren't surprised by this. It had been indicated that this would be a budget about mm-hmm. health and about climate change. And it's been a huge focus of this Labour government through their term and a half in government as it is. We've had what they've called wellbeing budgets for the last three or four budgets. And this is really a continuation of that. Absolutely. And we, we all knew it was coming, the restructure from our current DHBs to a central-led health system so there has been an 11.1 billion dollar investment in that yes I know that sounds crazy that's a lot of money just to change the structuring of our health system but this is something that we're going with and there definitely does seem like there can be some benefits from having it centralized so that moving regions doesn't completely impact the sort of service of healthcare that you do receive within New Zealand. And I guess the other thing with the health system, aside from the investment and the restructure, we have known in New Zealand that we have quite long public health waiting lists. And I think anything that we do to try and address and reduce that so that you can have elective surgeries without huge waiting times is going to be a benefit. Also, we've had two years of COVID now. We have. And that's really shown the strain on our health system, which existed before COVID, but is only made worse when you have a pandemic and a lot more people needing acute health services 
and things like ventilators, having that equipment that can save somebody's life Mm -hmm. and making sure that we have enough of it available so that if something drastic does happen, like a natural disaster or as we've had a pandemic, that the hospitals are well-resourced with the, the equipment they need but also fantastic staff and we know that that's another thing that hopefully investing in our health system will mean that we can keep some of our doctors and nurses here in New Zealand rather than them heading off overseas. Absolutely. We really want to keep that homegrown talent, and especially in that system. The people that work in the health sector are, would you be lying if you didn't think they were overworked? They're working long hours to help us, and especially over that pandemic time, they really were. They were the part of the backbone of mm-hmm, our, absolutely. our country here. So we really do like that there's some good funding going into health. So I don't think that this should be a negative for business owners because it is going to the health because, yes, it may not directly impact you unless your business is aligned with the health sector, but we are all humans and potentially at some stage in the future we are going to need the services of the health systems. So having something that we can trust and rely on might also mean your employees aren't out of action for as long as you would have expected. Absolutely. As an employer, you want to make sure that your employees are physically and mentally fit and making sure that a health system is in place to support that is going to mean that hopefully you have your employees in your business doing their job as often as you possibly can. I guess the next key major part of this budget was climate. So climate is, it's a hot topic. It's been a hot topic for so many years Mm -hmm. now because we literally are the country that lives under that hole in the ozone layer and we really feel the impacts of climate change. So as a, as a start, we have some big investments in climate change. Now it's going to be some money going towards low to middle income families who, with the intention of using that to purchase EVs and hybrid vehicles, um, that will be really beneficial. But I do have some concerns around that because this is aimed at low and middle income families to buy reasonably expensive cars. So although you're subsidised, there still is quite a big cost involved and I don't know how many families really can justify that cost at this time. Absolutely and I think the biggest thing that we've seen is we've seen these discussions over the past six months definitely from this government is them trying to encourage people to move towards EVs and hybrids as they look to replace their vehicles but they are still expensive they are, they really They're really are. expensive. And it's great to try and support people who that's going to be out of reach for. But the amount that you still have to pay, that those families are still going to have to find to fund themselves after they receive their subsidy is still going to be quite a lot. Hmm. Um, so I think the intention is in the right place. It will be interesting to see what the uptake of that is hmm. and and how those families are going to, to fund that shortfall that isn't covered by the subsidy. Absolutely, but we do have some benefits in the climate range from a business perspective. So there has been $330 million set aside for energy efficient improvements for businesses. So businesses using these to make their, their machinery more energy efficient as they're upgrading. So I guess a key from us to think about in this space is making sure that you're ready and prepared because at this stage we're not sure exactly how that will be allocated. But the implementation from different sorts of machinery is going to be tricky anyway. So we definitely want to be 
thinking more with a climate as brain and mind because yeah. I believe into the future that this is just going to become more and more important as well. Yeah. It's absolutely going to become the expectation. We've known it's coming for a while. There's been all of this chat about reducing emissions. It's something that's definitely been that New Zealand signed up for as part of the Paris Agreement back in 2015. So it's something that we really need to do and it's something that's happening worldwide. It's not just here in New Zealand but it is going to be a real focus of this generation. So I think with all of this funding, what it is, is businesses looking at, do they have an understanding of what the climate risks are from your business, where you may have emissions uh, or where you may have, you know, it's even things like with the global warming, we are seeing rising sea levels. And do you have a physical risk from something like, sea level rises if you're on the coast mm-hmm. that could impact your ability to have a business so it's not just about emissions it's everything that's going to come out of if climate change keeps continuing in the trend that it has been what is your business what are your risks to your business and what can you do about it and it's how do you then have a sustainability plan in place because I think we're seeing that even customers are starting to wise up to that as well. Mm. So, yes, there'll be a benefit for your business, but if that's an expectation that your customers are having, you want to make sure that you're in the game. Mm. Because if somebody asks you or or sees that you don't have that in place, they may write you off and go to your competition before you've even had a chance to to meet them, and that's not great for business as well. That's completely right but we're like every one of these topics I think we are going to have some concerns and a couple of our concerns Reese, rise from the fact that the expectation would be that most of the climate change um, subsidies and payments and funding will be funded from the proceeds received from the ETS scheme now that is concerning because that isn't a fixed set of income in any one year it dips and it goes up so I would expect that there would need to be more of a flow of income in from the government's books as well, and just where that's going to come from in the future is probably a bit of a concern. Absolutely, because if it's meant to come from ETS and ETS can't generate the level of income to meet these subsidies, then it will either be coming from the other tax income that the government's drawing from the taxes it's collecting, or it's going to have to come from additional government debt. Mm. And, I mean, if you look at New Zealand's government debt compared to other countries, it's very low. Yeah, we're doing way, way lower than the states, Europe, Australia, even. And, but I guess what we need to, as a country, have in mind is that we don't want to take that for granted and then be like those other countries and borrow to the hilt so that we are up above you know what america's up around the 80 90 percent it's almost 100 percent of their gdp is debt so that we don't want to be like that because we don't have the ability to produce like america does to pay that back and there has to be a solid plan in place to repay debt it does kind of look in a way that there is a plan to maybe spend for a couple of years and then slowly bring that down mm-hmm. it was a, a small indication from Grant Robinson in the announcement today that that is going to be the intention. Mm-hmm. 
Um, Whether that also is, though, with the expected tax increased revenue and that we're yeah. going to keep our spending at similar levels, however we're expecting them into the future, we'll receive more tax dollars. That is a question, though, as well, because we do seem to be in a contracting economy where we are reducing our GDP, and it's a bit hard to foresee increased tax revenue dollars if we aren't making as much money. Yeah, so it will be interesting to see, yeah, how, how the government looks to fund those subsidies if the ETS doesn't generate the level of income to meet it. But that will be something that we will be keenly watching um, over the next few years as these policies actually start mm. turning over and people start um, bringing them in. I guess from a climate point of view, the other thing that is um, quite exciting is around the agri-space. Uh, I guess from mm. since we started talking about climate change, and, and what we needed to do about it as a country, the agri-industry has taken the brunt of that. Absolutely. It's the agri-industry that said, you are causing this, you need to stop, and you need to stop now. Yeah. And that's caused a lot of tension between government and the agri-industry and farmers. And I think that's fair enough when mm. somebody stands up and points the finger at, at your industry. Um, I think that's understandable, the reaction that that's caused... Mm. But I guess the signalling that I took from the budget is that the government is recognising they need to work with farmers and it's looking like there's going to, or at least that they're hoping to have a collaborative approach with the agri-industry to, to look at ways to um, support farmers and growers and the agri-industry in transitioning to a low-carbon economy in the agri-industry and then subsequently uh, a huge investment of $339 million, which is a pretty good haul, um, going towards agri-tech to help accelerate the development of greenhouse gas mitigations. And, you know, I love tech, so any investment in tech I love. But I think that's it's helping people and helping the industry find tools that are going to work for them so that it's, how can we still sustainably do our biggest industry and our biggest export? How can we still meet that demand? How can we still be as productive? But do it in a way that meets our obligations internationally for carbon reduction and also is good for the environment long term and for the generations to come. I really like the collaborative approach as well. When the government comes wielding the stick, it, it just doesn't go over well. And no. when we've got an, a, a sector that like the health sector, held us together during this COVID times. It's very hard to then blame everything on them. And I think what people forget about farmers and the agri-industry as a whole is they have a vested interest in climate change because if climate change affects their grass growth, then they, they can produce less. So they have more of a vested interest than many other sectors within New Zealand and the world. And I think they probably do get a little bit of a hard from that mm -hmm. so I'm, I'm glad to see that the government's looking at going for more of a collaborative approach so that then going forward we can work together to improve because everyone will be better off if we can get climate change under control I guess the big thing that everyone would have heard from this budget as well and we all we all know the cost of living crisis and the government's way of addressing this 
So we have a billion dollars going into fixing the cost of living crisis. Now, the main part of this is $350 going to every middle income earner. So this is calculated based on any person earning 18 years or older, earning 70000 or less, and who are not entitled to the winter energy benefit. So this essentially removes those real low income earners and is targeted at our medium income earners. So you will receive $350 over three months beginning 1 August. Now, this is this is a weird subsidy that we've been thinking about. It's $350, but it just it's just a few things that we just don't understand about this. So my first thing is, why is it $70,000? Do we really constitute $70,000 as a middle-earning income? I would say for most of our big centres, if you're earning $70,000, you would consider yourself low-income. Yeah, I and I think from the government's perspective, I can see why that's the number chosen. It is the number of what was until very recently the beginning of the top income tax bracket that 33% starts at the $70,000 income mark. Um, but again, I guess that comes to the wider question of is that an appropriate tax threshold and therefore is that an appropriate indication of the end of the middle income bracket and the beginning of the high income tax or mm -hmm. income bracket? And possibly looking at the economy right now and and where incomes are sitting, cost of living is sitting, I would say that's probably not a true reflection of a high income. No, and, it, and it's very tricky as well because it's aimed at individuals. So this is looking at two, two family incomes. So say a two family income is earning respectively $69,000 each. Each of those individuals is entitled to $350 each. You have a single in, single person income earning and they're just over 70 and they get nothing. Yeah. And I know that we just have to draw the line somewhere because otherwise these things just don't work. But it just doesn't really make sense per that. I'm surprised that there wasn't a household idea or something like that because it probably just would have made a bit more sense for the equal, equality of it. I think every other sort of benefit like this, if you think of things like working for families or any sort of other government support where it is means tested, it does always take into account the partner's income. This is the first thing that I can think of, at least in recent times, where it is based solely on an individual's income, irrespective of whether that person has a partner who is also in paid employment or not. Mm, yeah, it's, it's definitely very different, but it makes sense. Look, we are in a cost of living crisis. Things are going up crazy. We've had an episode before about inflation, and it's only getting worse. Mm -hmm. And our inflation rate at, what was it, 6.9% last time it was reviewed, that doesn't actually reflect because a lot of the items that you are buying, actually, are going up by significantly more than that, especially when we look at the construction sector where you're looking at 30%, not yeah, 6%. absolutely. Yep. So it is it is tricky and we do something needs to be done. We just don't know what the solution is. So it luckily enough it's not our decision. We're not as part of the government and we're just here to give them a bit of critiques maybe on what yep. we think we would do in their position. But it is it is a tricky one because we do need to be helping these families. Absolutely. I think the fact that the government is recognizing that there is this crisis and they are trying to support individuals and families 
um, to try and alleviate some of the pressure that people will be feeling is great, and we're not critiquing that at all. No. It's just seeing, it will be interesting to see how impactful that is with these thresholds mm-hmm. um, and and what's going to happen as a result of that. Obviously, 350 is potentially going to be $700 per family if you do have two people, two income earners in a household that meet that threshold. And that's going to definitely help alleviate some pressure. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if we're talking about 6.9% inflation, it's probably not going to stretch that far. No, no. So so something is better than nothing, but I think it's still going to, we're still a long way off fixing that cost of living crisis. Absolutely. But we do have the extension of our fuel, excise duty and public transport costs. So for an additional two more months, we will keep the 25 cent reduction on the fuel excise duties and a half price public transport. Personally, I think that half-price public transport should be forever because the point of climate change is to be reducing our emissions mm-hmm. and simply having less vehicles on the road would be fantastic. We, we live in a region, though, where public transport isn't great. We don't have much, especially when you're living around the coast and in the south of Taranaki. There just isn't much available but anything that we can do throughout the whole country benefits us as well. And the last part of that cost of living is that the government is looking to spend an $11 million to tackle long-term drivers of food prices, which we know the supermarket is one place that is seeing a huge amount of inflation and has been for a long time, um, whether that's because of food shortages or the duopoly in the supermarket industry. Uh, but I think anything to to try and alleviate that that's going to impact every New Zealander if they can work on those drivers and bring our food bills back to a sustainable level. Absolutely. So next up, we've got the construction sector, probably a bit of a love of mine. Um, when we're looking at the construction construction sector and the investments available in here it looks from the whole of it like it is about rebuilding infrastructure that's not going to help our teeny tiny small businesses that just need or want more work although I can tell right now that you're going to say I don't want more work I just want another staff member so don't be when we're not thinking necessarily that but it's just that there's a lot of money billions and billions of dollars going into infrastructure going into infrastructure for the health system, going into rail, going into public and transitional housing. We're not upset about that, but it doesn't really help the small players in the construction industry. So all we really have from there is we've got the $230 million investment into Apprenticeship Boost Scheme. So this was set to end in August this year. However, we've seen an extension, which means from the 1st of August this year, we will have a reduction in the first year payment to $500 plus just, if if applicable, for both the first and second years of each of your apprentices' studies and learning journey. Um, And this will be extended until December 2023. I think this is a really good feature. I know years ago we did have some subsidies that helped with apprenticeships. And it's a really good way to make it more appealing because gone are the days where you had to go to uni to Mm -hmm. feel like you're doing good in your job. I would say that most of the people back then that went to uni and became I don't know what and then now see their their friends own a building company are quite jealous with the amount of money that that builder now has. 
So I think that it's good to see we're investing in education and we're aligning that with a sector which really does need some more people. Absolutely. I think what this investment in the construction and infrastructure of the country is going to mean is that what we're already seeing a lot of labour shortages for the construction industry. And I think even though this investment is needed in the country's infrastructure, it's going to need a lot of manpower to actually build and upgrade what this money is intended to do. And if we're already at a labour shortage in this industry, mm. it's only going to be amplified. So I think from our perspective, what we would really want to see in terms of this is we've seen since the beginning of the year, the world's reopening up a lot. Mm -hmm. We're seeing a lot of New Zealanders who had come home for the pandemic leaving again. We're seeing people who were probably at that OE age mm -hmm. at some stage during the last couple of years on were just about to leave into food. They're all heading off overseas on their OEs at the moment. So there are going to be more people leaving in the immediate term. Mm -hmm. And as hard as it is to see people go, that's part of what we really value about our sort of rite of passage and our growing up a little bit here in New Zealand is being able to go and have that overseas experience. So it unfortunately is going to happen. What what it does mean is that the government's immigration policies that were really tightened over the pandemic, they are going to need to review that in line with this budget mm -hmm. to make sure that we can bring in the skilled labour from overseas to fill the jobs that are have been empty for a long time and people are having struggling to to fill, as well as those jobs where people are looking to head overseas um, from those New Zealand residents. Absolutely. So we have an already very low unemployment rate and we've seen over the last few months that that hasn't been reducing further. So you'd almost say that everyone that wants to be in employment is in employment. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be very hard to expect people to all of a sudden convert potentially what their current industry is into the construction sector or all of the other industries that are crying out, I believe even accounting is one where we were sure. crying out and especially auditors. Yep. We are used to getting quite a few foreign auditors coming in and they're just not, they haven't come in for two years now and we're really just getting into those struggle streets. So probably the big thing, and I do agree with Melissa, is getting that immigration right. We were essentially holding New Zealanders captive here and we were having them... <laughs> They were ever we had to stay here, but we weren't letting anyone else in. So now we're kind of needing to open up and let New Zealanders leave, get that experience, and hopefully they bring it home, but also open up so that we can get some foreign talent in as well. Absolutely. And and I think that what that's going to mean for the apprenticeship boost is that we're going to see that really support people coming out of high school into that you know post-school job and getting them trained up into a trade it's probably not going to be so much people who are looking to retrain into a different industry. No, this is, everyone has a job at the moment. Anyone who wants work can work, and they can be quite... It's competitive. You can get paid what you need to get paid as well. So I guess the last thing which we really wanted to consider was just small medium enterprise wins so what have we actually got out of this because as you can hear most of this is just us as individuals within the New Zealand economy and none of it really 
relates to how small businesses are winning. So I guess the first thing would be the $100 million, which has been announced to go towards the Small Business Growth Fund. So that's going to be really good. So these are funds that are available throughout New Zealand to help the growth of our small to medium-sized businesses and something that we did see quite a lot of over COVID. Mm -hmm. So it's good to see that that hasn't dried up just yet. And, and on top of that, we've got another $192 million to support regional growth, which is also part of that regional support package. So these are funds that are available that if you need some business support or a whole different range of different things that you can apply for, that you can apply to your regional provider as to who holds that fund, give them a proposal of what you're needing, and they will help co-fund those Really good. And you can get the support that you need. You can get the support around tourism, especially, is going to need this with our borders mm -hmm. opening because they've gone from only having domestic customers for two years, needing to upscale, but needing to do that in a sustainable way as yep. well. So it's going to be really beneficial to those in our tourism industry. And one thing that I'm quite excited about, which it's only $60 million in, in comparison to the $11 billion in health, it doesn't seem like very much, but we've got this money going towards regional broadband support. So there are some places around New Zealand which really struggle with their broadband mm -hmm. connection. And that is an issue for doing business in the current environment. If you can't access the internet, you really are on the back foot. So I'm really excited to see that we're actually trying to expand that so that as many places in New Zealand have access to high-speed broadband. Absolutely. It's not going to um, harm anybody to have high-speed internet going to mean that we can connect a lot more i think we're still living post-covid in quite an online business environment we have seen some people quite a lot come back into in person but if we don't need to travel when seeing that it doesn't necessarily need to travel so much for business if we don't have to so having that internet connection it's also going to help productivity because if your internet if you rely on the internet to do business and your internet is slow, then you can't get done what you need to get done in an efficient time. So if you can have something that you can rely on, it's absolutely going to help you do things better, smarter, faster. Thanks everyone for listening to our budget update so probably a little bit of a different spin for me and melissa probably a little <laughs> bit more critical but just asking the questions that we think you guys also want to hear um we will be back next time for a look into our entrepreneur series, series. so we're really excited to hear from some amazing people who have been doing business in all sorts of ways and we've really learned a lot from them so please stay tuned Thanks for listening to this episode of Unlocking Business Potential. If you enjoyed what you heard, head along to your favorite podcast app. Like, rate, and subscribe so you will receive notifications when future episodes are released. And if you do have any questions or are in need of tailored advice, please do not hesitate to contact us at melancal.video.co.nz. We look forward to joining you next time on Unlocking Business Potential, your business advisory podcast backed by Video Taranaki.